to us, encourage us and interact with us as he has been already this morning. So it's good. Uh, this morning we're continuing our journey through Ephesians and uh, this morning we're talking uh, about um, families. We're going to talk about how the book of Ephesians help us uh, live out this, uh, our faith in families. And so before we um, read the Bible and before we get into a bit of a message on it, um, I'm going to call up a couple who do this so well and they're going to tell us how to do it. <laughs> no, Joel and Megan are going to come up and I was going to interview them. <laughs> just putting a bit of pressure on them. Um, and um, I just was going to uh, ask them a few questions. And uh, here we go, take the microphone. Joel steps up. Good. Um, so, uh, just a little bit about yourselves. Uh, how long have you been married, kids, that sort of stuff, so that people can know? <laughs> <laughs> Megan just said to me before we got up, she said, oh, we'll just put our happy faces on now. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, a little bit about ourselves. I've been married for six years. We have two little boys. Um, how much do you want us to say? N names of your boys? <laughs> names of our boys. Josiah is three. Micah is one. Um, yeah, they're great little boys. They're great fun to be with. Um, but it's hard work. Something that we've just starting to come, come to understand. Little boys growing up and just having kids. And, uh, and also dealing, or dealing with, that's the wrong way to put it. Um, to work with our marriage, work on our marriage with little kids is is something that we're starting to understand. That's good, that's good. Um, so you've got the microphone, so I'm going to go to you first. Um, what do you uh, like about being married to Megan? <laughs> <laughs> you had the microphone. <laughs> I was sort of hoping he wouldn't ask this question because um, I don't know how to answer it. Um, no, oh, what do I like about me? I think it's, it's your dream to marry your best friend um, and, and someone who, who you just love spending all of your time with them and and that's true for, for me um, and I think probably most of us can say that but um, yeah whether it's good times or bad times she, whether we're out with a thousand people or at home just with the four of us it's just great fun so it's great fun um, but also she, yeah she's, she's just a great listener and and uh, she understands all my little uh, Things that a lot of people would find very difficult to live with. So, so that's, I'll leave it at that. But no, she's, she's a joy to be with and a yeah, joy to be married good. with. That's good, thanks. You can pass the microphone to your wife now. Have a breather. That's good. Um, Megan, I'm going to ask you the same question. So what do you like about being married to uh, Joel? Um, oh, I think for us, with a journey, when we first got married, we were just quite different ends of the spectrum with a lot of different things. And I've loved the journey of us learning from each other and sort of getting close in some areas. So I've personally learnt um, how to be stronger in my convictions and to research something, find out what I believe and then just to be really strong in the face of different opinions around me because I've always been a people pleaser. So that's been one thing I've, I've loved learning sort of from him and also just his desire. He, he was never you know, academically minded when he was younger, but just his drive to learn, for me, is, is really quite inspirational. And also, he's just a very passionate person, so it, he's just a lot of fun to be with. That's good. Um, um, thanks for answering, because I know it's not easy to answer that sort of question in front of others. Um, the, the easy one is, you know, what's hard about being married? 
I was going to say that. No. Um, you guys have uh, recently done the marriage course. Um, so maybe you can give us, wh what did you learn about the marriage course? Well, how has that helped you um, in your marriage? Or maybe even why did you even do it? So you've got the mm. microphone, so you go first. Yeah, well, the marriage course was, well, first of all, like it, it was quite a new thing to have specific time together away from your kids but to spend time talking about your relationship and I think you know it's one thing to have regular date nights but to actually have them and discuss you know how you're going that was really refreshing and a really good learning experience um I I've I had a really good answer <laughs> and it's just that's okay well you can pass it to Joel while oh you no sorry oh no, you go. <laughs> um yeah, from, from the Fireproof movie um, and one of the principles in that Christian movie was, you know, never stop studying your partner and I think that, that came out strongly in the marriage course as well to continually strive to learn more about them and, to, and also to bring out the best in them and just to never stop striving for that, you know, instead of just being content, you know, just being married and doing things, but continually trying to surprise him and, and do new things for him and just providing, yeah, new opportunities and things. Like, it, it, it takes effort, you know, and, and thought and insight, so that, that was a really good refresher for me. Joel, what do you take away from marriage course? Is there anything that's sort of helped you or that you've... Um Probably what Megan said. Um, Good answer. <laughs> yeah. No, one, 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 one thing for me is uh, do, doing the course, and it and really hit me when, while we did the course, is that even, uh, how long have we been married for? Only three years. Well, th th three and a bit years. Um, one thing that I'd realised, even after that short amount of time, was that I did, or I had stopped studying my wife, I guess, and, and, and finding out what, what she liked and 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 how she was growing and and things like that. So that was a that was a good sort of eye opener for me. I I'd, I'd stopped that already after three years. So that was that was yep. a good thing to learn at at an early stage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got the microphone, so you get all the good questions. <laughs> I don't know. Um, for this one um, today, we're going to be looking at Ephesians, which talks about um, submitting to one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. Um, and this whole idea of submitting is sort of a, a sign of love. And so I was wondering w whether you could share a little bit, what does it mean for you to love Megan in your marriage? Or what does it mean, you know, submit, love? How does that sort of live out in your marriage? <laughs> Give it a go. <laughs> we took a while trying to figure out how to answer this last night. Uh, um, yeah, it's um, probably the best way I could describe it or, or, or answer it in a short time, would be to say we have a great respect for each other uh, and our own opinions. And um, while we have sort of come from different levels emotionally and, and up, upbringing-wise, um, I don't know, I think ju just the way, yeah, I guess just the way we res respect each other as a person, we, we, we trust that the other person's opinion is for the best uh, for, for us relationship our marriage and our family and so um yeah i think that's how i don't know if that makes sense but that's yeah. for, for, for me and for us that's how we see us submitting to each other um yeah i guess yep no that's good, that's good. megan do you want to add anything to that well just yeah it's hard 
because you don't want to go into specific examples, but I guess in the really small things and the big things, there's been some big decisions where just one of us will just really consciously go, you know what, I'm, I am just going to trust your convictions and you sort of, yeah, you do submit and it's quite a conscious thing. And then some, and then, but then just every day there's always really small things that you just, um, yeah, I think respect and trust are just really big with mm. just laying down your own things and as, as long as you both sort of bring to the table, you know, and work through something together, I think it's a healthy thing. Yep, no, that's good. And just last, last question, um, you, your parents, you've shared that, um, how, how does that, um, how does it look like for you to um, to love your kids, um, sort of in this Christian family context? How, how does that, what does that look like? Was, uh, can you share something of what it looks like to love your kids? Mm. Well, one of the other questions that he he had written down helps helps yeah, me to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he he prompted a a discussion that we had where um, yeah, to have to have your relationship as a priority and to have a loving relationship and for your kids to see that is a really um, amazing way of, yeah, modelling modeling love for your kids. Yeah, so for us, um, and it's so easy when, you know, Joel comes in and it's just so natural, you know, Josiah runs up and, you know, you give Josiah attention and, oh, there's Micah and, you know, and, you know, if I'm in the kitchen, like, it's just so easy just to gravitate towards just, you know, spending time with the kids in that sort of free time, but it's just taking those, like the opportunities to, to show our kids, you know, that we are in each other's priority, you know, in, in a family sort of context. Can I say anything? I think the quote that I had was, uh, the best thing that you can give to your kids is a good marriage. Um, one of the best things, so sort of you've reflected on some of that. Did you want to say anything about being a, a parent or parenting together? And Not good, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Give them a clap. Um, I think it's really good just, and, and I, I appreciate that because it's not easy to come up and answer those sorts of questions, um, but I did specifically want to ask those questions. I think that's a reality of what it means to live in uh, relationship with each other uh, in our marriages and families, and I'll touch on some of that a bit later. I'm going to ask my lovely wife to come up and she's going to read uh, our next passage from uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, starting from verse uh, 21. So if you've got your Bibles there, flick to that. Ephesians 5. If you do happen to have one of our ESV Bibles from the front, it's on page 978. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I didn't orchestrate for her to read today. I don't know how it just happened that way that uh, we got to read the passage together. So as uh, I alluded to earlier, as a church, we've been going through the book of Ephesians um, and we've been discovering uh, its depths and sinking into its truth uh, for our lives uh, as a church. Um, we've got a couple more to go after this week. I think I've got two more and then we're sort of wrapping up and uh, um, picking up some other themes and ideas later on. And so as we've been uh, looking through Ephesians, I've uh, been saying uh, these two things, we'll put the first slide up, um, that uh, the book of Ephesians helps us to know who God is. Paul spends a lot of time explaining who God is, um, um, the way he works, the way he interacts with us, and he's encouraging us, and I've been encouraging you guys to sink deep with God. You've got to get to know God uh, more and more. And even just as Joel and Megan um, reflected in their marriage, I thought it was really nice that one of their goals is to get to know each other better. Later on, we're going to talk about how marriage is a metaphor for our relationship with God. And so it's the same thing. How are you studying God? How are you getting to know Him? What uh, new truths are you learning uh, about Him? And Paul's encouraging us to do that. Uh, we've talked about also knowing who you are because of Him. Uh, that, that Paul's encouraging people because he's saying you're a new people now. You've been given a new life. You're children of the light. There's, things have changed. If you believe this is true and if you have accepted Christ as your saviour, everything has changed for you. Uh, and do you know who you are now because of what God has done? So these things we've been thinking about. And then the last uh, number of sermons we've been thinking about, how do you actually live this out in reality? Uh, what are the practical things uh, that show uh, these two realities, that I know who God is, I know who I am because of Him, and now this is how I am going to live. Uh, Andrew touched on a bit of it last week, and we've touched it uh, on sermons before as well. Um, and we also um, have been rem reminded as we go through the book of Ephesians that the book of Ephesians is not just written to you, okay? It's written to the church. Yes, it applies to us as individuals, but collectively, uh, this needs to apply to us. Uh, and so we've been talking about how do we encourage one another? How do we encourage each other as to who God is, as to who we are as collectively as the church because of Him? And how do we actually live this out and encourage each other and spur one another on uh, to live this out? And so that's a little bit of the, uh, the journey of Ephesians so far, and we've been uh, wrestling that. So today, as uh, we focus uh, on uh, this, we're basically going to work out how do we do this uh, in our family relationships. That's where this sort of passage leads us. If we go to our next slide. Because um, the church basically is uh, a family of families. Um, so these uh, principles apply to us as family units uh, as well as uh, for us uh, together. 
Um, we're going to talk about how do we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, last week, Andrew said that thanksgiving and praise, what did he say it was? Anyone remember? An antidote for sin. So that when you start to thanksgiving, uh, give thanks to God, and when you start to praise God, it actually leads you away from sin. And you remember he had all the list of uh, those nasty things that we don't like to talk about. And he was saying, remember when we thank focus on God and thanks, we, we tend to be led away from those sorts of things as a way to live out uh, our life with the Spirit. I want to put forward too that um, this too is an antidote for sin, that if we learn how to submit to one another, we learn how to serve one another in our families and in our church, we're less inclined to be led towards sin. That it actually becomes a, 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 that care and love and concern for others is actually a bit of an antidote to sin, in particular selfishness. And it helps you to focus when you submit to one someone else, uh, it helps you to um, put them before you. And you think about how that uh, works out in your uh, marriages or families, uh, but also uh, in the church as well. And that when we actually live out this way, the world is a better place. It's actually the way God's designed us to live is to actually put uh, others in front of ourselves. And I always um, sort of had the order, it's um, God, others, self. And that doesn't mean that we think that we're all you know, hopeless, but that's, you know, we, we still have a positive self-image through Christ, but we are called to serve God, to serve others, um, and it puts us uh, in perspective, I suppose. And so as we deal with this passage, uh, what I would say is that verse 22, uh, which is the one about wives submitting to husbands, is probably the most misquoted verse by husbands on the, in the Bible. Uh, it gets trotted out regularly, doesn't it? And that's why uh, when we read, um, and it often gets missed, and it's actually been missed in a lot of Bible translations too, that verse 21 is actually the key verse uh, before leading into this. And what was verse 21? Colin read it first. It said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it sort of builds into that as well. Um, so I want to spend a bit of time uh, exploring what that might look like. Um, if we go to our next slide, because um, I think that currently our culture hates the idea of submission. If you use the word submission now in our sort of culture generally, people will, they don't look favourably upon it. Um, and it has... Um, a negative sense, isn't it? I would say that um, a lot of cult uh, people in our culture think that submission is wrong. Um, that they'd say it's old school, it's of you know, days gone by. Um, and um, yeah, I think it can even creep into us as the church as well, um, where we can uh, start to sort of play down the things of the Bible because of uh, what our culture thinks as well. Um, that we think that... Um, uh, wives submitting husbands means, you know, getting my slippers, making my dinner, being behind the sink, or that sort of stuff. Uh, and that's what God tells us, doesn't he? Because that's what this verse says. <laughs> um, and so, therefore, the whole idea of submission has a bad rap. Um, and so, we've got to try to understand this. Even to um, parents, 
the parent and child relationship. We're going to talk about families as well. Parents submit, uh, sorry, children submitting to their kids. That, that, you know, that's been a wrestle for ages, but it's becoming more and more culturally harder for kids to do. Who are my parents to tell me what to do? You know? um, Knox, the city of Knox, has one of the highest rates of domestic violence in, uh, I think it's Victoria. Listen to this, for children against parents. Not parents against children, but for children against parents. And it's, it sort of comes out of this idea of you can't tell me what to do. I don't submit to your authority. Who are you? To, uh, and so it happens not just in uh, husband-wife relations. It happens in child-parent relationships as well. Um, also think about, as we're going to explore a bit uh, as we go on, what does it mean for you as parents to submit to your kids? Because that's what this verse is telling us. Okay? This as parents, this is telling you to submit to your kids. What does it look like in your families? I know what my kids would think it would look like, <laughs> or should look like. We're going to um, explore that a little bit too. Um, so the word submit um, is, uh, is the idea of actually putting yourself below. To submit, you put someone else, so you put yourself below. With the um, sort of the premise behind it is that uh, to serve you or to honour that person. And um, biblical submission is uh, a powerful choice to serve. It's a choice to serve. Um, I put it out there that forced submission is abuse. Okay? So forced submission is abuse. And that's wrong. And I think that's why the word submit, because uh, what's happened in our sinful world is that submission has been forced. Uh, whereas the biblical understanding is that uh, submission is a powerful choice to serve uh, the other. Uh, and we think about how that's going to live out in our families and our uh, church um, situations. Um, as we look through the Bible, the idea of um, submission is not only wrong, it's actually what's modelled to us by our Lord and Saviour. Jesus Christ showed us what submission looks like. Because what did he do? He submitted himself to the Father's will. The Father's will was for him to come to heaven, to die um, in our place. And so Jesus um, gave up his heavenly authority and submitted himself uh, to his Father and in some ways submitted himself to us. Because he showed what love looks like. And this submission love was that I will go to the cross for you. I will put you above me. I will put uh, the value of our relationship above what it's going to cost me for us to be together. And here, <laughs> Christ models uh, what submission looks like. Just think, if you can think of the Philippians 2 uh, passage, where he talks about the hum humility of Christ, where he did not consider equality with God, because he's equal with God, something to be grasped, but he gave that up and he became a servant <laughs> to us uh, and to the church. Uh, in John 14, when he's talking to his disciples, he's saying, I'm going to go to the Father, and he says, for the Father is greater than me. And here he is again showing that he gives up his authority in order to serve his Father and, and us. And that leads me uh, to our next question as we're sort of thinking about that. Um, we talk about God being existing in Trinity, 
Um, so we have uh, Father, uh, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Here's the question. Is there hierarchy in the Trinity? Okay, hierarchy is someone sort of has more authority than others, you know, and you, you submit. Is there hierarchy in the Trinity? Because I think if you've been in church for long enough, um, you, you've, you know that, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all persons, they're all equal, they're co-equal God and they're all together, aren't they? And yet we have these verses that are put before us, um, 1 Corinthians 11.3, 1 Corinthians 15.28, where it says this. Um, he's talking actually in the Corinthians passage about um, the head of the woman is, is man and talking about marriage stuff. And then he says this, and the head of Christ is God. And so he's actually say, he's starting to say there's a hierarchy there because Jesus actually listened. And just what he said before, God is greater than I. Uh, and we, if you've been sort of around church for a while, you will hear um, that God's love uh, comes, uh, often we use these sorts of words, uh, from the Father, by the Son, uh, through the Spirit. And there's different roles within the Trinity. And so even though they're equally... Uh, equal, they're all equal, um, equally God, they submit to one another in their different roles in order for the love of, of God to be manifest to his people. You can see where I'm going with this. If you the God in who he is himself, the way he relates together in the most intimate way that uh, he can with himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, submits, the Son submits to the Father. And later on, we, we sort of get the sense that the Spirit comes from the Son um, and it submits uh, to Him as well. And so uh, the Bible talks about God's Father um, as you know, a headship role uh, in, the tr in the Trinity. And later on, as we, um, or now, as we think about that in our marriage and where this passage goes, where it says that wives are to submit to their husbands as Christ submitted to the church or um, Christ loves the church and so we get the even in the way God exists so you see how submission works husband and wives are equal before God but yet our roles are different and this is where God roles our, uh, uh, models our marriage on who he on our marriage relationships on who he is think also the other um, metaphor that God gives us on how we're to relate to him it's parents and children. And this submission of, um, uh, uh, of children and, uh, to a father as well. And here, uh, God gives himself examples of how we're to do this. And it's not uh, this sense that um, uh, husbands are more important or have more value before God or anything. There are different roles in that. And here's the thing. If you're sitting here as a wife and you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, we get the submission role. We get dudded out about this. Uh, did you read the rest of the passage? Because <laughs> the rest of the passage says, Husbands, I want you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And then he explains a lot more on what that looks like for husbands. And he, what does he say? It's that sort of love that, you get, that, that sent Jesus to the, to the cross. <laughs> you are called to love your, your wives by dying for them. You are called to love your wives to, <laughs> um, to sacrifice for them. To submit to them. 
because we're called to submit to one another. Remember what Jesus said just before he went to the cross too. He said, not my will, but yours. You think about how you live that out in husband-wife relationship or in parent-child relationship or children-parents. Children-parents, this is not my will, but yours. It's a model for us to sort of work out in our relationships in the family as well. I was thinking about the Anzac Day thing yesterday, and I thought it was actually, it's one of the areas in our culture where people actually like the idea of submission <laughs> or, or, or what it works. Because um, these young guys um, sort of in some way submitted themselves to the country. They went, you know, think of the language that gets thrown around about that. They went and served their country. They went and sacrificed their country. Uh, and what do we now do? We honour them. <laughs> There's lots of religious language in and of, in of that uh, as well. Think about uh, what, it w- what it means for us to die to each other. I, whenever I preach at a wedding, I always sort of talk about this, that how are you going to die for each other in your relationship? How are you going to give up your place and put your partner above you? What does that look like for you? And as I've been so- talking about children... This applies to you as well. It's not just husband and wife. It applies to children and parents as well. So children, how do you honour your parents? Because you're being called to honour them the same way as Christ honoured his father. In the same way, parents, how do you honour your kids? How do you submit to your kids? How do you put them above you at times? And I think you, you, we, we know how, how that works, isn't it? That, that we actually so love our kids... Um, that we actually um, nurture and train them, uh, even in things that they don't like, <laughs> and kids that don't, don't, uh, don't like uh, as well, because we know it's for their good and we want to see them flourish and we want to go above and beyond, even though they may not recognise um, the love that we're showing them. So submission is an act of willingness that imitates God. It's an act of worship that will actually help prevent abuse. Okay, if we get this submission thing right, it will help prevent abuse uh, in our relationships in families. And it's interesting, as he finishes off this passage, because what does he say? He finishes off and he says, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Um, and, he, and, he, and he plays this um, this. Um, metaphor out is he's using marriage as a way that we actually learn how to uh, it's an image of how we relate to God because God describes us as his bride and him the bridegroom and it's so and and what I like about this it's a two-way metaphor isn't it so when I look at the way God loves his church that teaches me how to love Coralie when I look at the way Jesus loved me and that teaches me how to love my wife so I learned from that. But here's the other thing. When I, um, Coral and I love each other and the things that I experience in that relationship helps me understand God and it helps me know the love of God, even though it's, it's imperfect. Children and parents, it's the same thing because what's the other metaphor? It's a two-way metaphor. It's the, the child-parent relationship. So when uh, m- me as a child um, 
um, in relating to my parents and experiencing their love and that relationship helps me understand how God loves me. And yes, we know that none of them are perfect. We're not perfect, but there are, there, there are snippets that we get. We understand what this means. And parents, we understand what it means to love children. And, and that under, we, we get a new sense um, as parents of God's love for us. I, I always say that when I became a father, and uh, as a father, I understand the depths of God's love for me vastly different uh, before I was a father. Um, we've all been children, so we can all experience that. Um, as well but that it's a two-way metaphor it helps when I look at God when I get to know God I can apply that in my relationships in my family and the relationships in my family help me to know how to love God as well and show that in a practical way I was talking yeah just as parents um, <laughs> Honour your parents, what does that look like? I just thought of Jesus' example. He was willing to die for his dad. He was willing to give up his place in heaven. Children, <laughs> what does it look like for you to honour your, honor your parents? Jesus gave... <laughs> I can't believe some of the things I write sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I wrote, Jesus gave up his place in heaven. Would you be, uh, would you be willing to give up your place on the couch? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Jesus willingly went to the cross, um, but yet we won't even willingly wash the car or set the table or something like that. I'm just playing out. These are the sorts of scenarios that God wants us to play out. In our, how does this work out practically? How do I live this out? And is my attitude like Christ um, when I'm in that? And parents, you know, it goes the same for you. When your children rebel against you and they don't do what they want and they make foolish choices, do you just get angry? Do you come down with them? Or how does grace and forgiveness live out in that? Just as God loved you in your rebellion, just as God loved you as you wandered away from him, how do you submit to your kids and continue to love them without exasperating them, without um, putting um, sinful um, authority or abuse of power on them? Yes, we know that there are consequences, and the Bible tells us how to live that out. But what I'm talking about today particularly is for us to understand the attitude of our hearts as we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You must be thinking a little bit, how do we actually do this? <laughs> Glenn, you get up there and you preach all this stuff. It's just idealistic, but you haven't got a husband like mine. You haven't got parents like mine. <laughs> How do you actually live this stuff out? Um, this week at small group, we um, looked at the David Platt um, clips that many of our small groups are going through. And in there, he gave an example uh, of his marriage. And he, he gave the example of his marriage that when he got married to his wife, he was a student and she was working. So therefore, she had quite a healthy bank balance. Uh, he had nothing. Um, when he got married, and they got married together, her, her bank balance became his. Only because they committed to each other. You know, they sh shared it totally. And so he went from having nothing to having everything in, in this union with Christ. Uh, sorry, in this marriage union. God says exactly the same happens to you 
when you enter into a relationship with Jesus. He's already reminded us in Ephesians, hasn't he? He said, if you enter into this relationship with Jesus, what does he say? You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Everything that you could possibly want. Think, remember the metaphor of uh, father and uh, children? When Jesus was teaching his disciples, he says, remember, ask the father whatever you want and he'll give it to you. Think of the most perfect loving father. He wouldn't even want you just to bless you and give you what you want in terms of that being what's best for us. And so how do you live this out? We have every spiritual blessing in, in Christ. So um, that is lived out through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God within us. And that power is the power that will help you submit to one another. It will help you to get off your throne and put God and others before you. And is it easy? It's not going to be easy. No. It's hard work. But God has said, I'll give you the power to do it. I'll give you the power to humble yourself. I'll give you the power to obey your parents, even when it seems like they're being hypocritical. You need a fair bit of power to do that. It's not easy. I will love my kids even when they seem to be rebelling in my face. You need a lot of power to do that. Remember the power of the Spirit, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are gifts from God that He is giving you to be able to live this out. So He asks us to keep in step with His Spirit. And so what he says is just in the heat of this, this is, and this becomes the spiritual discipline, we need to ask God to help us. We need to ask God, help me honour my parents. God, help me put my wife before myself. Help me to serve. Help me to go that extra mile. Husbands, would you be willing to ask God to do what she asks with joy and com without complaint. Wives, would you be willing to submit to your husband even when you know he's wrong? You need some supernatural power to be able to do that. Children, would you be willing to do whatever your par parents asks without complaining or thinking of a better way? Because you're going to need some supernatural power to do that. Parents, uh, this is a big one for me. Would you be willing to do what your kids want and submit to them? Because you're going to need supernatural power to do that. And Jesus has said, because you're married to me, God said, because you're my kids, I'm going to give you that power. So keep in step with it. Keep asking for it. Keep encouraging one another in it. Then these families will display the glory of God. This church will radiate with the love of Christ. Because we need to remember who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit. We remember that God is our bridegroom and we are his bride. So we remember who we are. We are the children of the living God. We are married to God 
of that most intimate relationship. That's how he values us. He loves us and values us like a wife, like a child, because of Jesus and what he completed on his time on earth. So this week, as you go back into your families, can I encourage you to get on your knees and ask for Spirit's power to help you submit to one another in love. Let's pray. Lord and God, you have shown us what it means to submit to one another. And Lord, when we look at it, it seems impossible. Lord, you know our hearts. You know how hard it is for us to die to ourselves. Lord, sometimes we are just so in love with ourselves that it will cause us to abuse those around us. We are so in love with ourselves that we won't even consider the thoughts and feelings of those closest to us. So, Lord, we confess this morning that we are selfish people. <laughs> people who are more concerned about our own well-being than that of others. We ask your forgiveness for that. We ask that you would wash us clean. And this morning... We cry out to you for new hearts, for changed minds, changed attitudes. We cry out to you, Father God, for the power of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and work in us. Change us to be able to submit like you did. Father God, we ask for your blessing on our families. We ask that you would help us to live this out this week. Father God, we ask that you would help us to live this out in our church family, that we would be willing to submit to one another, to put others in positions where I will serve them. Father God, we cry out for your power to do that. And we ask that your spirit would move amongst us so that we would truly glorify you in all that we do. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask our uh, music ministry team to come up and we're going to sing a song of praise. As they come up, um, one of the ways that I find that this submission thing works itself out in uh, some of the toughest and most practical ways is the way we give and receive forgiveness. And I say those two intentionally. The way we give and receive forgiveness forgiveness and we remember how God gave it to us when we didn't deserve it and so even in our families we are to give and receive um, forgiveness when we don't deserve it or others don't deserve it I think it's a great way that um, we can show this out practically in the way that we choose to forgive and the way we see we choose to receive forgiveness uh, in our families as well. So uh, let's sing and praise our loving Father. I can invite you guys to stand.